0: This is a Think Live Be production.
1: So, yeah, we're, uh, I don't know if we're recording. We're recording. (laughs) (laughs) No, I kid, I kid. I know we are. Um... Yeah, so we've been having some fun this week, uh just taking some time to clean up our database. And I think now's the time to to get in there and, and clean things up, contact people that I haven't talked to in a while. It's actually funny how you I've reached so many more people that I haven't talked to in years, just because everyone's at home and so they're answering their phones. <laughs> so um so it's, it's a good time to just work on cleaning that up that we've been talking about doing for a couple years now, right? I think, Kayla, when you started, we were talking about cleaning up a database. It's been a work in progress for quite some time um, and then
2: transitioning the CRM database that we have um, once and now doing it again. Um, yeah, it's work in progress for some time. But I think the benefit of this one is that we're in the midst of transitioning and uh, making sure that we're going in with it organized. So we can kind of do both at the same time. We can slowly organize it and touch base with our database.
1: Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, it's, it's like, I didn't want this all to happen with the coronavirus and stuff. You want to say it right now. (laughs) Well, I I don't know if it's fun, Um, but it's, it's something that needed to happen for so long. And this is just sort of forced forced us to do it. And I'm glad that we are because I'm making contact with people I haven't talked to in a while, not because we haven't reached out to them or touched them. But like, if you have a, if you have a program to touch people 36 times a year, there's supposed to be four calls, right. And four personal calls. Well, a lot of times people don't answer the phone during the day. And that's when we're doing our contacting people. And then they're busy with their lives. They get my message this and they think to themselves, Oh, Catherine called. I'll call her back later. And then they don't remember to. And then we go about our business and we do our thing and we hit them with an email or an invite to an event or all the things that we do. But we miss those calls, the the actual contact, if they don't call back. So this is just a nice it's nice that we're actually talking to the people that have been, you know i wouldn't say neglected but maybe a little bit over the years because i just haven't kept as as good of touch with them so that's good and then we're also i'm i am determined to get it right and like tag people correctly in our database so that we can communicate with them the right way As speaking of, right now is the best time for
0: that speaking of the best
1: yeah speaking of the best uh you're listening to <laughs> you're listening to seeking the best the podcast where we try to seek out our best in ourselves and try to overcome the personal hurdles as a realtor and in the real estate business. I'm Catherine Stelges, and across from me on Zoom, social distanced, uh, is our director of operations, Kayla Boundy. Hey. And then our sound engineer, Patrick, Hello. over here. Hello. <laughs> Who is this? Who is this? <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so we're, you know, we've, we've kind of shifted and pivoted is the new key term. Um, with our with our business plan and what we're doing, and we're really focused on database and how do you communicate with your database properly if they're all a big mess and you can't even tell you know who's who, so that's what I've been doing painstakingly, all week and the last couple of weeks.
0: Well, and you're switching from an old CRM to a new one, so it's a perfect time to. To organize it, kind of like when you move from one house to another, if you just throw everything into boxes, everything stays a mess. But if you can organize it as you're unpacking and packing, it, it uh, is a lot easier in the long run.
1: Well, and what do you do when you move? Like before you pack, you purge a bunch of stuff, right? Right. So that's what I've also been doing. Is just I don't throw away too many contacts or leads or prospects or whatever, um, because you just never know. Like I always say, everyone is in the life cycle, well, I didn't make this up, but um, everyone is in the life cycle of a home purchase or sale you, and you don't know at what stage they are in. or And so if you throw stuff out, well, that could be, next month could be the month that they get started on their search. So just because they haven't answered the phone the last couple times you've called, why would you throw out that lead? It takes years and thousands and thousands of dollars to invest in building a database of METs, like from open houses or people who have inquired on websites, ads, all the things you do to generate those leads. Why would you throw those out just because they haven't answered the phone the last couple times you've talked to them or they have it doesn't appear they've checked an email? So unless somebody says, stop talking to me, <laughs> stop calling me, I'm not throwing them away.
0: And you've had people who have contacted you with direct mail pieces saying, stop mail me this.
1: Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's, let's go down a quick rabbit hole on that. Isn't that so funny? Like when we have gotten a call or two in in uh, in my career saying to stop mail them, some stop mailing them, you know, like if they get a postcard in the mail once a month. And I'm like, really? Like, who has the time? And are they just calling us?
0: Right. Are they calling
1: every? Or are they call every single piece of direct mail that they've gotten? Like, are they calling all of those companies too? Oh, it's so crazy. (laughs) And then we do. Oh, go ahead.
2: I've gotten one or two in my. I think I've gotten one while I was with you, but I think she was an environmentalist, so she was very keen on paper. I think is where she was coming from.
1: Uh huh.
0: I will allow it, but it's still crazy.
1: (laughs) Listen, we—I'm pretty sure if you look at the direct mail pieces that we send, there's a little recycle thing on the corner. <laughs> we do our part, yeah. people. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you've heard, but we're going virtual with everything lately. Everything's so, green now, right. so yeah, I, go. we're going to be saving a ton on printing and paper and stuff. Just um, yeah, just well, we were saying as a the, byproduct of all of this. We were
0: saying earlier today about um, the a lot of people who wouldn't consider themselves tech savvy and would be afraid of a lot of things like zoom and stuff are getting a crash course on it right now. So that that'll be something you can use in the future and people won't set, won't be afraid of it. It's something that you can utilize that, that will save you time down the road.
1: Well, yeah, we were talking about this this morning is that with all of this, um, We went down rabbit hole of environmentalism, I think. But uh, we were talking about this morning that, yeah, people are going to get more used to this Zoom and um, meeting online and stuff like older people that maybe weren't as familiar with it before. And um, that it saves so much time, like I did a listing consultation the other day and I didn't have to. I didn't have to get dressed. <laughs>
0: I, from, I did from the waist down.
1: I was wearing pajama pants from the waist down, and, uh, and I did So I didn't have to get dressed. I didn't have to drive to the person's house. Um, it was it was efficient because we didn't, you know, go. I, I had him show me around the house, but I didn't have to. Um, he yeah. just held his phone. Yeah, he held his phone around, and walked right? around, so I didn't it, it just didn't take as long, right? Cuz it's just he's trying to show me real quick around the house and then the so the consultation was shorter and then I didn't have to drive home. So I saved probably an hour and a half that day that I would have normally had to invest um just to just to physically get there. So yeah, and get ready for it. So like how can we continue to do things more virtually and digitally? to save ourselves time because so much gets lost with just all of the, the prep and driving, especially in Orlando traffic, you guys. <laughs> um, so, so just how can we take all of everything that's going on and just make it, um, you know, a positive thing is we're figuring out how to save time and money that we, you know, again, yes we're not able to do open houses and that stinks but how much money were we saving per month probably on open house supplies and printouts for of flyers that don't even get taken that just get yeah.
0: you yeah know. yeah really you're in a real situation now to be able to reevaluate what's important and what isn't
1: exactly well and that's what, when this whole thing first started happening you know they were like you know, get out your budgets and cut stuff and and you can do that real quickly. You can say, what is a lead generation tool that's working and what what is producing an ROI? But now I think after a couple of weeks, you're I'm starting to see what else we don't need. Like, um, you know, well, like I said, we don't need to print flyers for open houses. Nobody was taking those anyways. I don't think we need snacks for open houses, to be honest with you. Because I think what we've discovered with this whole virtual open house thing is that only serious, the serious people that come to the open houses, they don't need snacks and waters and all this fancy stuff. All they care about is seeing the house and seeing if it's a fit for their needs. And so what else are we spending money on that maybe we may, we feel like it makes us look better or it looks, looks good, but doesn't really have any impact on our business?
0: Right, you have to get the ego out of it.
1: Yeah, I think Gary Keller says like, um oh, what does he say? It says something about like you're either like most of your expenses are either for your ego or your sellers uh, some something right. like that.
0: Yeah, uh, that makes sense. And it's true. yeah.
1: like a lot of the stuff, I mean we we have expenses that we have to have like we have we have to pay our dues and and otherwise we wouldn't be able to promote our listings right. um, across the globe. You want professional photos, for example. And
2: honestly, What we already put money towards, we have, I think all three of us are pretty frugal people. Like, we're not cheap. We go for quality, but we kind of stick to our basics and we don't need, like, we don't have logo hats or bags and stuff like that.
1: I did want to get some of those, though.
2: (laughs) I do, too, but, like, we don't. We choose not to. We're We're going to wrap your car,
1: Kayla. What?
0: We're going to put a wrap on your car. (laughs) Yeah, no, don't do that. I'm not. No.
2: <laughs> no. I wouldn't want to represent my driving to make with me in any
0: manner. <laughs>
1: well I was gonna, and they're slow, so that's a good thing. I was gonna s gonna stop you and say, Pat is not frugal. <laughs> Pat Pat has expensive quiet. tastes. You so. quiet down.
0: <laughs> Nobody needs to know anything about my personal life. <laughs>
1: but Catherine has the best track record. That's just that's that. Well, it just pay attention to what you're spending money on. And then now is a really good time to see what is important. What are your priorities? Just like we're prioritizing what our, our goals are like the only thing we need to be worried about right now is contacts and contacting yep. people and providing value keeping deals together and keeping together. The inside. Yeah. And those are our priorities. And so then it makes it seem like, what were we filling our days with? before. Other people. Yeah, I guess like distractions. Keep, yeah. Yeah. It just, it makes you kind of reevaluate everything. So there is a positive in all of this is that you can really kind of start to see how you can be more efficient and what's most important and how to make our, um, you know, keep our profit margin safe in all of this. So, and then, so we've been, of course, researching and, educating ourselves and getting prepared for the shift and all of the things that are going on. so we started rereading the shift book and found some uh, pretty good information in tactic nine about creating urgency and opportunity, you know, finding opportunities that I thought would be good to dig in on as well.
0: What's shift book. Oh yeah.
1: yeah. See, he always, he he always has to remind us to tell people in case you're not with Keller Williams and you're listening, um, shift is a book by gary keller and um put
0: it in the candy bag
1: yeah and you know they have a whole series of books at keller inc that we promote regularly um and a lot of people if you're in keller williams and you're listening you probably have already picked this book back up or you've heard about it over the last couple weeks because it was the first thing everybody started saying you need to pick that back up um and we're, we're digging into it now. And just the the biggest thing to remember is that there are opportunities for people in every market. And so we're just trying to kind of figure out what are the opportunities in our market and how can we, um, how can we make sure that people know about them and educate people and be the, the real estate experts that we are when people have questions. Um, so we're making all these contacts and, Whenever I call someone, the first thing that they say, the first thing I say is like, I'm just checking in on you. Of course, I'm just trying to make sure that, um, you know, everybody's safe and well and, and doing okay, and that they still are employed and all of those important things. And then, of course, they ask, you know, well, how are you and how's real estate? And so we really have to be able to tell our story and what's going on in our market and whatever market, you know, if you're listening, whatever market you're in, like telling that story of what what is going on. Um and maybe we'll should we or should we take Without, a little Oh we're taking a break. Well I was gonna say should we take a little break?
0: We can. Sure. Is it too soon? <laughs> we can always take a break. Look, um you can fill up your sangria.
1: Oh don't tell people. <laughs> That's what you have? I want one. This is oh. a, it's it's getting late in the day and I've been working hard, so I got myself oh. a little sangria. It's
2: peanut butter and jelly over here now. No,
1: are you just eating lunch?
2: No, I'm jelly and peanut butter and jelly over
1: oh, here. Oh, okay. She's got things that I, they're references that I don't <laughs> get. <laughs> All right,
0: let's uh. let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. <laughs> and we're back.
1: Yeah. So. So, so.
0: Catherine's had three sangrias. No,
1: no. <laughs> Come on now. No. Uh We're just talking about, you know, if if the market is shifting and what we're seeing and telling the story and what opportunities exist. What I'm finding right now is that this uncertainty has caused a lot of people to say, like, "Oh, I want to wait and see what happens." or they think that this is going to cause the market to crash. And so um, like, first of all, let's, let's take a step back in time to when the market crashed the last time. Because if I remember correctly, and I was in real estate when this happened, um, I got into real estate in 2006, and the market was slow. Like it, it took a year, <laughs> it felt like, um, to to get things going. Actually, it took longer than a year, but w- it, the market was really slow, and the reason was because there were a lot of listings for sale. Like by the time I got into the market, there were maybe ten thousand listings on on um, on the Orlando market, and the year prior there was like a third of that. So within within just a year's time the number of listings had tripled. And that's that's the supply. That's what supply and demand. Everybody remembers from, you know, Economics 101, like supply and demand are what drive prices. So if the supply keeps going up, like when, again, we're back in 2006, if the supply keeps going up and the demand doesn't increase, that's going to drive the prices down. Well, so 2006 went and came and 2007 the prices actually had gone up because that's what happens is though, even though the number of listings did another triple over the course of that year, the prices still went up because it's always lagging a little bit, right? The market, like people don't know yet that the market is changing until it's already passed. So, so a whole nother year passed. The market actually hit the top in, in our area in 2007. And then, the stock market crashed in 2008, and the prices started to drop. It took another three years before they hit the bottom. And then they were, from that point, you know, continued to go up until here we are today. So I guess my, my point in all of this is, if you were in the market in 2006, and you were like, well, I'm just gonna wait and see what happens. And then I'll, I'll see about buying a house when the market hits the bottom. Well, you would have had to wait another five years before that happened. And so, and you
0: wouldn't know. That well, you wouldn't
1: bottom. know that it was the bottom, right? You never know until it's already like turned and started to go back up. So if you're sitting there in 2006 and you're like, well, I'm just going to wait and see what happens and I'll just wait till the market hits the bottom. You're going to be waiting five years. <laughs> and since we know that most people buy and sell homes for personal reasons, they can't wait five years. And they certainly don't know that it's going to take that long or that it's going to be less or more or whatever. So there's just no way to time the market. There's just no way to know. Um, And then the last time, anyways, I mean, that was all driven by the number of listings, right? Well, here we are today and we have a shortage of listings in our area. I mean, everybody's market is different, right? You have to know what market you're in and know what story you can share and what's really going on. Um, but in our market, we have a shortage of listings and this, um, crisis has actually caused the listing numbers, the, the new listings coming on to decline. And like 10% of our, uh, our market has taken their homes off the market. (laughs) So with that shortage, you know, the, the prices are not going to drop like crazy unless something else happens. Because supply and demand is what drives prices, nothing else.
0: Right. I think maybe people get confused um, with what you're talking about is there's less people selling their homes. There's also less people buying their homes, but the ratio is the same. And I think people get confused with that being like a crashing market. Like there's not as many people, but it's not. that's not what it is. That's a totally different thing. We're just talking about a smaller ratio, but the same numbers. Because the same number of people that took their houses off the market or uh, decided, let's not sell. There's an equal number of people who said, let's not buy a house yet. Let's wait and see. But the ratio is still the same.
1: Yeah, it's roughly the roughly, same here. In course. Orlando, it's it's a little bit off, but it's not going to drastically change the prices or anything like that. And you know what I said? The only thing that uh, affects price is supply and demand. What else would affect price is interest rates. Um if the interest rates go up, well, what, what will that cost what will that do? That would just change the demand, right? Because less people could afford to buy. So it still comes back to supply and demand. That's the only thing that we need to look at in any market to know where things are going at any time. So, like I said before, you know, unless all of a sudden a whole bunch of new listings come on the market in Orlando, which I'm not saying they can't, I just like no one else, can predict the future. <laughs> um But unless that happens, well, why would the prices drastically drop? And even if they did drop like they did last time, well, people are you're going to be waiting to see for several years and who knows where the interest rates or what else will be going on at that time. So I don't know. I just I think that people. They listen to the news and they think, oh, the market's going to crash again. And nobody really wants that. But at the same time, they're like, well, I feel like these prices have been inflated and they're going up and I I don't really like what I can find right now. So I'm just going to wait and see. But we have to be able to show them what opportunities exist in the market so that if they're able and ready to buy, that 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 willingness is there, that they're not scared out of the market when when they have so much opportunity right now. And I know what like I've been trying to figure out for us what are our biggest opportunities. And <laughs> <laughs> and what what I think in Orlando, I mean, everybody's market is different, but I think we we have um, probably a really good chance uh, for buyers if they need to, If they are sellers too, like if they need to sell a house around $350 and buy something a little bit more expensive, like in the fives or higher, they're going to be in a really good spot because they're going to be able to sell for top price as a seller, and then they're going to have more negotiating power on the bigger, more expensive home. Because they don't sell as quickly. They don't sell as quickly. There's never as many buyers in that price range anyways, and there certainly aren't right now because there's going to be some tightening on lending- um, or the has been for jumbo loans, and so the higher price you get, the more negotiating power you have, because those those houses, those listings at the, you know, I would say probably anything over six, seven hundred thousand, they're probably not getting many showings right now, if any. Um, so, though that's the big opportunity. If you have something smaller and less expensive to sell, get it, you know, get it sold while the prices are high, because this could be the high. Like we always are in cycles. Right. We're always in cycles, no matter if it's, you know, whether it's a big crash or in a a boom or anything like that. There's always um, up and down. And so we might be at the top of a cycle, even if it's not a, you know, up, you know, big up and a big down. Um, So if we are go ahead and take advantage of that as a seller and then also take advantage of the fact that you can negotiate a better deal uh, on the buy side.
0: And how's that been working out, explaining that to people?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to, you have, I think I was, I was talking to somebody about this, like you, when you're dealing with just cold leads or people that you don't know, it's harder to help them see the bigger picture. But if you're dealing with your database and they've been talking about things and they're thinking, you know, they might make a move or you're dealing with somebody that, you know, and they already trust you as their real estate expert, it's easier to explain these things. But you can't motivate people to buy. That's what the whole tactic and tactic number nine in the shift book talks about is like you can't motivate them. You can just help them see why there might be some good opportunities for them right now if they're already able to buy and ready to buy but if they're if they're not willing you can kind of guide them right but if they're not willing move on find the motivated
0: yeah because isn't your goal is to find the motivated try to get them uh to buy or sell their homes now but that person who maybe isn't motivated right now you put them on the list and you contact them in three months, like you said you were going to do and you just build that pipeline and you just keep building. I mean, this is a perfect opportunity to, to do that. So,
1: yeah, I think, um, I I think there's, you know, like we said before, there's going to be a lot less people that are, um, willing, but it's more. Okay. So let's say, a lot of people have lost their jobs. So you're going to lose a percentage of people that are able to buy just simply because of their situation. And that's, there's nothing you can do about that. You can't help them um, unless you help find them a job. Right. Um, so, so those people, you just have to set them up for success for the future. Like, how can I help be a real estate resource for you when you're ready in a year, two years, however long it takes you to get a job and get that income back and going? Um, and then the people that are ready, like, You just have to be ready to buy a house, right? Like, you know, there's a certain point in your life or, you know, certain times in your life where it just makes sense. And those are the ready people. And you can't
0: get it. People getting married, people move, just moving here. There's all sorts of reasons for where it has nothing to do with outside uh, influence. It's just time for them to buy or sell.
1: Yeah. So you can't do anything about that either. They just either are ready or they're not. The only thing you can have any, any sway on whatsoever is the willingness. And all you can do with that is show them the opportunities that exist in the market if it makes sense for them. And there are plenty. Like, I also think there's a big opportunity, at least for Orlando specific, um, and probably a lot of markets. There's been so many, um, like all the cheap houses <laughs> that need a lot of work. Um, or or just, you know, I don't know if they all need a lot of work, but just the cheap houses that aren't in amazing move in ready condition. It's been almost impossible to buy those because there's been so many cash investors purchasing them to flip. So I think that there's going to be an opportunity for those. Um, because
0: you don't think that flippers are going to. I
1: don't I, I don't. It's not that I don't think that they can't get hard money loans anymore. Okay. Those are gone. Um And so unless you have somebody that has cash, and even if they have cash, flippers don't have the motivation, except for money, right? I mean, the whole purpose of a flip is to invest as little as you can. I don't know if that's, but like, I mean, it's it's to make money, (laughs) it's to make money, you renovate the house, you put it back on the market, you have to do it quickly, and do it efficiently so that you can get the most return on that. Quick investment. And if people will all the the investors that use hard money loans for that, they're completely out of the market. They can't do it anymore. Um, so all you're left with are people that literally have cash. And why would they go out right now? Cause they're not sure. And they're only, the only reason for buying to flip is to make money. So why would they right now go buy a house if they're not sure that the market will keep appreciating? Well, they wouldn't. Now they never really know if it'll keep appreciating, but once you have some kind of economic impact or global impact like what's going on right now, there's enough reason for them to say, hold on, I'm not going to put my cash into yeah. that because I'm not sure that I can flip it.
0: And and even even the hassle of doing the work.
1: Oh, right. Right.
0: Yeah. Go, go trying to go to Home Depot to get stuff and everything. It's like there. It's a lot easier just to just say, uh, we'll just wait a few months and see what happens.
1: Yeah. So. I think there's a big opportunity for investors who want to hold on to property for long term yeah. to rent. There's there's going to be a lot of opportunity for that.
0: First time homebuyers. First time And that's buyers. why we're still buying this summer, because that's our plan with our
2: first purchase is to hold it and then put some work into it and then come time, rent it out and then purchase
1: our next one. Yeah. So and, and you guys will maybe by summer, you know, have a really good negotiating position. Um, yeah. Because there are a lot of first time home buyers who will be um, priced out. And I, what I mean by priced out of the market is just that um, the lending guidelines have tightened. And so credit scores are, they're raising credit scores that are needed to buy, to get a loan right now. So that will eliminate some of the first time home buyers too. So you may not see as much competition for the yep. first time home buyers. So, yeah, price yeah. So again, it just comes down to supply and demand. Right now, the prices are still good if you're a seller. And yet as a buyer, you're going to have more negotiating power than you've had in the last few years because the sellers do have a fear of getting things That sounds sold even me. That yeah, sounds even. right? Like it sounds like a normal balanced market be, right? where everybody has some advantages. Yeah, that's the way it's supposed <laughs> to be. What's that like? Yeah, that and,
0: and for all of the years that you've been doing this, it's been one or the other. And this is the first time that I can kind of see well there's advantages to being a buyer but there's also advantages to being a seller, which is I think what you want.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like the sellers they they want to sell their house quickly. So they're going to be less hard butts on accepting an offer that's a little less than what they would get in a normal
1: world well yeah because they have fear too i mean they're they're afraid that well what if this is the top of the market and i really need to sell i better get this sold right. quickly we're not so getting let me, as
0: many showings it's there yeah, aren't as so, many people blah 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 all, all of that stuff yeah
1: yeah so let me be i'm going to be a little bit more negotiable and flexible because i want to get it under contract right and get it sold
0: so maybe closing costs are going to come back in, sellers paying closing we're costs. We're seeing that more. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we are seeing that more. And we have been for a little while now. Like, I think, like, we, we've been talking about a shifting market for a while before all of this happened. Um, yeah. Anyways, because, again, markets cycle up and down. And so you, you never really know where you are until the time has passed and you're looking back and you're like, oh, we were just in a seller's market. <laughs> So so nobody really knows. It's just about when you're talking to people every day, making sure that you spend time with the motivated and not trying to motivate people because you can't like they have to be they have to be the ones who want or need to buy or sell. And then all you can do is then guide them on how to take advantage of the opportunities that exist.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's your job as the guide. To yeah. show them to, you know, as long as the trust is there, that are past clients or friends or, or, or that they are your, that you're the professional, they're professional. Yeah. Like um, my cousin, he's wanting to purchase their first home in New York. And, uh, I'm just setting them up now, setting some expectations because this
2: is their first purchase of what that looks like for them, what the process looks like, the questions and then because they have really good credit score, time is right, which is very soon. They're going to connect the lender and then know what they need to do come August or September when the, their lease is up in October. So it's perfect timing for them.
1: And I just have to make sure that I'm there to support them and educate them because they are um, willing to purchase and they, they just have to get ready now. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't think if... You know, again, it, this is in the shift book. Um, it's also fresh in my mind. That's so why I keep talking about it. But just remembering that, you know, real estate is not an ATM. <sighs> and people, they tend to think that they're going to, you know, buy something and then cash out in three to five years and then make a ton of money. And it's never been uh, an ATM. It's not supposed to be that, it's supposed to be a long term investment. And if you're living there for your family or this is your primary residence, then like you're not in it to make a killing anyways. You're in it so that you have a nice place to live. You want to make a
0: good investment, but it's not a it's not a slot machine.
1: Yeah. Not an immediate return on anything. But anybody who's bought a home who like the only way you lose money is if you have to sell in a down market, but you don't know (laughs) when you're going to have to sell. Like, you have no idea what your life will bring for you. And, you know, so if you're, if you bought in 2004 or 2005, let's say, and you thought you were going to live in that house for 20 years and you ended up getting relocated in, you know, 2009, 2010, you, you you know you got a crappy hand yeah but that, but that was nothing you could have predicted and so aren't you still glad that you had a nice home to live in for those you know six yeah. years or whatever uh probably like i don't think that i know anybody that wishes they hadn't bought real estate sooner except for
0: people who couldn't afford the loan that they got which was another issue from Back yes. when the recession, when the housing market crashed, it was a lot of people who were getting loans that, that they should have, have never yeah. been getting those loans.
1: Which is why like, they're tightening up the restrictions right. like crazy right now. And 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 when I mean crazy, I just mean like, you know, Chase just announced having credit scores over seven hundred, and it's like. Those are such tight lending criteria. Now, that's just one bank, you know, but there it's almost like everybody has um, post traumatic stress disorder from the last recession that they think all of this is like this craziness is going to happen when there's really not the evidence that it's going to be the same thing we experienced. There's yeah. not the evidence to, to think that would happen like we talked about in last week's episode. Um, with people having equity and all of that, there's no reason why all of a sudden we'd get thousands of new listings because some people don't even want to put their house on the market right now. So there's no reason to believe all that, and yet people still do. So you have to, again, just find the motivated, educate them as much as you can, but know that you cannot motivate them. And if they've got it stuck in their head that they're going to wait, <laughs> yeah, then they're not ready.
0: So what you're suggesting is wherever you are in the United States is to know what your market is and to figure out what who who would be best to buy or sell a home what situations would be best like we were talking about if you live in a place that does a lot of airbnbs then a lot of those people don't have renters for those airbnbs right now they might be more willing to sell We don't have that here, but there are places that are like that. That Yeah,
1: somebody mentioned that to me uh, as that's an opportunity if you go target those sellers because they're going to go quite a few months without any rental income. And when they bought that property, that was not what they planned for. So they may have a need. Right. Same as like here, like how do you reach the people who might have a need to sell and buy a bigger house? Well, we go and we find the people... Who maybe bought their home that would have a, a nice uh, nest egg to put into the next one, and who might have now a family. Right. So maybe houses that are worth you know three hundred to four hundred. You know, again, depends on your market, right? Um, but that are worth a certain amount that people bought, uh, in two thousand eleven because that was the bottom of the market here in our area. So if they bought in two thousand eleven, people move every seven, seven to ten years. Well, guess what time it is, folks. So those people might be ready to make a move anyways.
0: So go through your database.
1: Well, yeah, I would start there, right? Because those people are the ones who, you know, and they trust you. So the willingness part, um, you can help guide them through if they are ready and able And they might be because of that timeline, because that's kind of the normal way that people make moves.
0: And I think anywhere, one of the one of the things anywhere in the United States, one of the other uh, options that you can use as a benefit is interest rates right now.
1: Well, yeah, I wish interest rates were as big of a factor. I wish people could see like how how big a difference that makes. But for some reason over, I mean, I've been doing this such a long time and it never seems to really hit home for it doesn't people. Doesn't resonate. Yeah, because again, people buy for buy and sell for personal reasons. So even right. though I'm like a numbers person, so I'm like, Inter- What the interest rates are three and a half percent? That's crazy. That's like free money. Like think about that. You're borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars for only three and a half percent over it's thirty years. It's crazy. That's insane that that exists. And and right now. As a home buyer, you can go out and have that that interest rate. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> so you got to know what the opportunities are, though, and then what are the personal reasons, right? I think that that's more, and then you can still utilize, I think, yeah. the interest rate thing you, you, as you part used, of the story. Yes,
0: you, that's not not going to be the specific reason, but these all of these can be in your arsenal as you're explaining and and
1: well, to, and to hey, that just made me think of one more thing, like if somebody did lose their job like there's there's people out there who have legitimately lost their jobs that own homes and so maybe what their motivating factor right now is that they may they may need to save money they may need to get into a different living situation right um, or even if they didn't lose their job but they're just concerned about the future and they would like to save money for whatever reason that can be a motivating factor and then interest rates can play into how, that can make something more affordable for them. Yeah. Than than was possible a year or two ago when the interest rates were in the force,
0: You people have to do your homework, because I think is what Catherine's saying.
1: Well, you, we, have, you it, have to not everybody. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's what I mean. And like you really have to have your mind wrapped around what your market is in your local area to be able to uh, apply it Being to a professional. And to be able to apply all of these different options to all of these different people that all have different needs. You know, especially in a, in a time like this. Yeah,
1: yeah, you can you can only help someone if you understand what's going on and, and to understand you have to be looking at the data every day and and listen, then and listening
0: to this podcast. <laughs> yes,
1: listen to this podcast and you. will So become, you've already
0: you've already made one good decision
1: today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, get 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 to work, figure out what market you're in and what 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 opportunities exist and use that word that's always a good word to use when talking to opportunities. people mm-hmm. when you're talking to people and they feel like they're on the fence or you feel like they're on the fence that you know well would you be interested in knowing about an opportunity if it fit all your criteria and your budget that sounds good yeah. yeah because who would say no to that
0: nobody that's why those that's why there's scripts
1: scripts people scripts
0: read your scripts <laughs> Speaking, a speaking of scripts, we're uh, out of time, and oh. I'm going to read mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners find us. You can also send us questions. Please send us some questions and or some stories that you have, and it's, you can send those at our website on SeekingTheBest.com. Uh, you can leave us voicemail; we'll, we'll play that on the show. Send us a tweet at SeekTheBestPod, and for Cat, Kayla, and myself, thanks for listening, and we'll figure this all out next week. This has been a think, live, be production.